to it today and just give you a little hint of what we want to talk about is that they're too hot to handle and too cold to hold they're called the <laughs> ghost buses and they're in control had them throwing a party for, for a bunch, bunch of children. children well all the while the slime was under the building so they packed up the group got a grip came equipped grabbed the proton packs in the, the proton back packs and in the back and they skipped <laughs> and now about vigo the master, the master of, of evil, evil. try to battle, my, battle boys. my boys that ain't that's legal. not legal it's not that's legal. just that's just totally us uh, scat manning there. I definitely <laughs> did not look those yeah. lyrics. For those of us that are still with us, uh, <laughs> obviously we want to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, the official trailer. I want to talk about it right away. We have it queued up at the 000 mark on YouTube, the 2 minute and 34 second one. The one that's the official one, not some jackass fucking quote unquote comic fucking pop culture news site that slapped their fucking logo on the front of it and then decided that they, it was theirs and then added like two extra minutes. No, you know what we're talking about. We're going to go into it for you guys. Uh, let me know when you're ready. Uh, moments away, seconds, seconds away. Yeah, this is the Sony Pictures. It's the one that's got three, 9.3 million views as of what? They posted this yesterday. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, remember your father. Here we go. <laughs> All right, yeah. So what we're talking about doing, we're going to simul... What are we doing? We're not broadcasting this. No. We're going to simul commentary this like we do with our Star Trek episodes. And so uh, if you want to watch it with us, we're giving you the opportunity to find it on YouTube and listen to it. And that's why... Or watch it. And that's why we're still... still uh, yammering and stammering about it. Um, they can always just hit pause it. and then find it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I forget that that's a thing. I forget that there's time travel involved in this. Uh, okay, yeah, so things being what they are, we're going to press play, and you can watch this with us and hear our commentary on this trailer starting in, it's going to be three, two, one, go. Like, like that, okay? Three, two, one. One, go. What freaking year is it that we're driving around in an El Camino? Oh, it doesn't matter. Those are awesome. Yeah. Now, is this lady that's playing uh, the mom character... Egon Spangler's kid. Uh, how do you know that? Just, just keep going. All right. Who she gives, is... Who gives a damn uh, about... Well, I'm just going to say, the life. actress is most definitely... Uh, the young lady from Train Spotting, and that boy is obviously the little Diane the little dipshit from Stranger Things. 
Why is he a dipshit? I think he's a dipshit. I like that it's in Oklahoma. I think his name is Finn Wolfhard. Symmetrical book stocking. Did you see that? I really didn't actually catch that. Uh, Because I was still, by the time I was watching this part of it, I was still trying to wrap my head around the actors. And I was like, why is that kid with the glasses the protagonist of this trailer when Finn Wolfhard is in the the trailer? Because he's not a Spangler. So, okay, I'm looking at this. Why don't we see any actual Ghostbusters in this trailer? We only see these kids. We'll find out. (coughs) Excuse me. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Totally, totally. And here's where you find out. I wonder if it's malfunctioning. I I don't know. Here we know she's a Spangler. I'm too happy with this. One of my buddies was like, Texting me in the middle of the night last Shand- night, giving me a bunch Shandor, of everybody. Shandor Mining. Shandor? Did that what it said? Shandor Mining Corporation. Awesome. Ob- That's another... E- I only watched it the one time, obviously, so I'm excited to have other eyes on this. Obviously, where they mined the metal for the uh, building in uh, New York. And Good point. And there's a, a Zool, a possible extra Zool, and... All red, might we're making a huge deal out of this silly car. Oh, I love it. They did in the in the the actual toy. <laughs> this is funny. And those wheels are too old to withstand that sort of thing. There. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Especially white walled ones. Yeah. So we've got no, dude. For real, great trailer. I don't care who's in this. I don't care what they do. This is way better than any trailer that I saw for the previous non-related um, yeah. Lady Ghostbusters movie that, consequently, I never saw. Yeah, it was a, gi- Not, it was I, a I, giant hunk of shit. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. You actually watched it. I did not. I watched it. I will say two things. I'm not opposed to watching anything... But if it's not something that I want to watch because it doesn't sell me in the ad, then I'm not going to make any effort to. But if somebody had been like, hey, let's watch this, I would have been like, all right, well, I'll watch it with you. Uh, so things being what they are, I did not see that that last Ghostbusters thing. I don't I don't like the tone of this. Like it it's really? it's too clean. It's too like the hinting that there's going to be any sort of little kid love story. I don't give a shit about that. Um I want to see this little girl be a genius and figure out what her uh, her grandfather uh, knew. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Knew Let about. me ask you something. Which one is the little girl? The one with the glasses that had the PKA meter that brought the uh, trap to uh, school. The one that. Well, now I'm biting my nails because I did not realize that was her. Yeah, that's 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 her. That's her Egon gender identification issue yeah. here. Egon's her, her grandfather. She knows nothing about it. They're already talking about it online that it's like the 1984, uh, 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 what do you call it, the Manhattan Rift, uh, because they they said specifically no one's seen a ghost in 30 years, but things going on here in this weird town in Oklahoma that they have not named yet, where it's obviously a, uh, a mine that they pulled some precious metal out of that we can infer that was what they used to possibly build the, the building in Manhattan to to uh, bring in all that psychic turbulence to 
usher in the goes. Uh, I, I do like those little, those little tidbits. Um, yeah. One thing that, because we want to talk about the toys that made us the new season that came out that they pointed out in the Ghostbuster line was that, no, the movies that made us, sorry, forgive me. That's the same pet boy, good sister show. And um, mm-hmm. that Ghostbusters was a going into business story at, at its very core essence. Mm, okay. And I, I don't know where we're going with this. I guess I'm not used to watching a Ghostbusters anything without it being on like actual film where it's, it's, it's just too clean looking to me for me to actually feel comfortable watching it. What? I don't understand what you mean by that. I mean, like, was the original Ghostbusters movie not uh, high budget enough to feel clean? What, 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 how do you ascertain or what, how do you quantify clean? Well, look at the, look at, look at how digitized the, the effects were. They're right. like that, that sort of thing. It's, I missed the practical, the practical magic. Uh, it's, it's, I can zoom in this. Like it's a uh, like a tiff or something like that. It's it's too clean. You're you're wanting to see stop motion animation. I want to see practical effect, practical effects. We all do. We all do. Uh, I, I gotta say the only thing that remotely came close to practical effects that I've watched in I don't know how long was Rogue One because for whatever reason seeing those star destroyers looking crispy white sold me on. The idea that it was real, even if it wasn't, and there was just something about it because it's a lighting effect. And when you look at any of the stuff that they've done since then in Star Wars, it's all CG, and it just doesn't have that 70s... I don't have a problem with... Three-dimensional model thing. I don't have a problem with digital effects. I, I have a problem with people like Tom Savini existing, still existing, and not being em- employed to in any way add something extra to this. When you, when you watch that, uh, the movies that made us, and you see how they made Slimer, and how... Oh, man. I haven't even seen that one no, yet. It's, it's, it, it was fascinating. <clears throat> there, was, there was lore, Ghostbusters lore in there that even I didn't know, and even let's, and Gunther didn't Let's jump know. into that real quick. And I don't know if anybody... I mean, you guys know what we're talking about, but uh, if you don't, what we're talking about is how there's a Netflix series that was called The Toys That Made Us, and I guess they just did a new season... Because I yeah, there's a new season this for weekend. Toys. Well, that makes sense. I encountered an uh, you know when you turn on Netflix and it just starts playing something right away. It showed me the toys that made us, and it showed me professional wrestling. Yeah, that, that I was started a good one. watching. Oh, dude, I started watching it last night. Unfortunately, you know, I had to get up and be at work at freaking early. So, and by that I mean like two to four to six or whatever. And um, uh, so I fell asleep in the middle of it, but I was inspired that Cody, the American nightmare was speaker. Oh yeah. That was pretty, that was, Uh, I'm so glad they brought him in. He had, Oh, he's, he is the go-to guy at this point. Well, you could tell how, how recently they shot it because of some specific injuries he had that were still, (laughs) that were still pretty fresh um, from. So you've seen, but you've seen the movies that made us? I only saw the Die Hard episode. I watched the Die Hard Home Alone. Well, I think there's only four. Uh, Die Hard, Home Alone, oh, uh, wow. Ghostbusters, and uh, I'm forgetting the other one. But the Ghostbusters one was the best one. And they had a lot of extra lore on there. And Aykroyd talking about how his grandfather would have seances. And how, I mean, most everyone that is in any way really that into Ghostbusters knows that Aykroyd is a huge paranormal experience uh 
also uh, professional well, professional expert. Yeah, it was his idea from the beginning, but they showed that it was originally supposed to be him, Belushi, and um, Eddie Murphy, just the three of them, and they were going into space. And when yeah. someone helped clean this up and they decided to make it a going into business movie and how quickly they had to make it, like they only had like less than a year to make the movie and then also invent things to, to, <laughs> to build these effects. And re- they didn't even know that uh, Bill Murray was even going to show up. All they had was Ackroyd saying that Billy, um, that um, Billy's going to be here. Don't worry about it. And sure enough, he showed up on time the very first day. I cannot wait to watch that. Did you see that, like, uh, whatever, 30th anniversary coffee table book about Ghostbusters that came out last year? I saw it at Barnes & Noble a bunch. Uh, no, I did not. It's pretty choice. It's not that Wes Anderson book that came out, but it's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about the toys that seriously. made us. Uh, the, yeah. The toys that made us, the, the pro wrestling one was fascinating. Just hearing about Vince still organizing toy deals on his own. Uh, that blew my mind. Uh, watching them go from one company to another, other companies sharking the other. And one thing I was, the one thing I uh, wish they had mentioned just real briefly was that LJN that initially got the main license for it was also the company that was making Thundercats. That was the one, oh, that, was, that was the one thing yeah. I wanted them to mention was just Thundercats too. Uh, well, as well. And, um, it was it was nice hearing about the business. Uh, these guys, especially when they got into it in the Power Rangers episode about Haim Saban, uh, I I've always wanted to see what this guy looked like because I remember always seeing his name and I always imagined he was like <laughs> this like exotic looking person or maybe it was a made up name. Pussy Ricardo Muggle. Yeah, something like that. And, and, <laughs> and he was uh, originally him and uh, I can't remember the other guy he was working with. I don't think it was Saban. I think maybe it was Saban. Uh, but them doing like the intro songs for most of our my, my childhood smurfs inspector gadget mm-hmm. um and then just getting the idea like wait a minute there's all this awesome japanese stuff out there why don't we just film some american stuff splice some of all the special effects that we don't even have to pay for and see what happens and they were talking about the like the when they showed it to kids for the first time and they had the, the button test where you know left is i like this and right is uh, oh, i wow. don't like it and they said it was like all the kids were pointing to, I love this. They, they didn't know what was happening. And then when they really put it into context, I remember watching it the first time when I was a kid with my sister, uh, cereal before school type thing. And I was in sixth grade and it was the first thing that came out that was the next big thing that I wasn't into. Wait, what? Power Rangers. Oh, Power yeah. Rangers? Yeah, I feel like we got way, yeah, way off yeah. of with, what we were talking with, about. With, yeah, Power Rangers was un- obnoxious, and it was like I was waking up at six to get to school by I don't know what time, and I was in high school when Power Rangers was all over the place, and I I was forced into it because it was like my brother, my little brother, who's three years younger than me, would get up at an idiotic time and put in a VHS cassette and record us Exo Squad. But that's because he also wanted to record Conan. Yeah. And then, which the Conan cartoon was amazing. Of course it was. It's Conan. And then we, while we're getting up and I'm getting in the shower and I'm eating my breakfast cereal or whatever the crap, my wheat checks, that's when Power Rangers was on. It was like, oh, 
you know, we got a freaking, at least the TV's on and we're not being forced to watch some stupid crap our mom wants to watch or whatever. And then at the end of the day, we would come home and we'd seen Power Rangers and somehow we were actually investing ourselves <laughs> in that dumb show, which now I think back on and I'm I think back on fondly. But like, no, it's nothing compared to Exos. I didn't hate or it. Or Conan. I didn't hate it. I never hated it. We made fun of it. We were like, and then they would like roll into another schema. Like we got away from Rita and we went into that like Lord Zed. red and Zord. Yeah, Lord Zed. And we were like, well, at least we can take this guy seriously. It was like when in He-Man they went from Skeletor to Hordak. And we were like, well, Skeletor's got a good look. But he's a goofball like Cobra Commander. At least we can respect Hordak, you know, on uh, on well, Shira. That's a good point. It, but the the thing about Power Rangers was that it was it was too good to be ignored. It was it was it was the first thing that uh, the people I was going to school was like, you can't watch that. You know, it, it was like when it, it was, that's kitty crap. But we were all still watching. Yeah, it. we were all still watching. Oh it. yeah, and um. The, I, Wait, what? What country were you in when this? Was I on? was in uh, Maxwell, Alabama, um, when it, oh, when, wow, it, when right. it first came out, and um, yeah, Robin, my sister, was hardcore into it, and I didn't. It, it was. I remember going to Walmart and uh, Target, like desperately looking for this for my sister, with my parents trying to find all. This. We found them. We got all the the big original main big ones, and then the flip heads, and then the one thing we couldn't find her because we did get her the. Uh, the power dome <laughs> we couldn't find her that goddamn dragon dagger that dragon dagger was impossible to find when it came out everyone had the morpher that came with the gun with the coins but no and then i, I had like a couple of friends that had the the set where it had the like minute like not totally <laughs> miniaturized versions but play versions of, of the, <clears throat> the red ranger sword and the pink rangers bow and arrow that formed that super gun and um but Luckily, because she had all that stuff, Robin always shared, so we always had a, a great time playing with my X Men toys and her stuff. So, but uh, let's let's move on because I've been de- yeah we got to press. I on. really wanted to ask you. We thought about uh, Taskmaster and the uh, uh, Scarlet Scarlet Oh, Black I Widow. totally forgot. Yeah, the Scarlet yeah. Uh, Scarlet Johansson movie. Man, forget it. It's it might be Black Widow, but it's Scarlet Johansson. I mean, I can think across time. How many actresses could have played that role? And we are frankly lucky that Scarlett Johansson is portraying the Black Widow, and she deserves a movie. She deserves a movie on her own. Taskmaster is an incredible villain. One of my favorites. I I really, really hope that since this is a piece that is a foreshadowing, and it goes back into the past, that we have cameos from Captain America and any number of other characters depicting a long-standing multi-decade battle between Black Widow and the Taskmaster involving previous characters reprising their role that could only be that could that's the best case scenario but i think that by but but after that trailer they would have teased that so i i just wish she uh, i just wish she had a hood well, he had some ripped up hoodie on just for the. Oh, well, he probably has a hood. Just for a hood and some sort of semblance of like some sort of uh, 
uh, electronic shield, you know, like some sort of like thing that just pops yeah. out of his shoulder, like some laser, laser shield, shield or something, something. Awesome. Cause he needed the shield just for a second. Um, but only like just for a cameo. So they don't make it too hokey, which is always the danger when you're using a character yeah. that is, you know, in a cloak and a cape still. Well, it's hard to pull that off legitimately in the MCU, especially after X-Men came out in 2000 and they went with the black latex or whatever the crap it was supposed to be, uh, you know, scenario. Right, right, which is fine. You know, I think we've all got beyond the concept of non-colorful movie-themed superheroes. We can all buy Captain America and Hawkeye and Iron Man running around because it was done so well. Agreed. But, um, I mean, beyond that, what 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 is the blonde witch uh, or the blonde widow, Yelena something or another? I cannot recall her you name. You know way more about Black Widow history than I do. Basically, what it boils down to is that there was a Black Widow book that came out in the early 2000s that depicted... The black uh, t- depicted her as having been replaced by a younger version of herself that was a blonde, bitchy girl who had resting bitch face. And that's not me using bad language. That's what they literally, no, she was bad. That's what they uh, literally that's said. That's just straight up how I would portray her as a person. And things being what they were, they were at odds because the Black Widow is supposed to be much older and on the way out. And there's no way that you can trump experience. So uh, the blonde girl got her butt kicked ultimately and has reoccurred a couple of times. But I hope that's where they're going with it. And uh, gosh, David Harbour. Talk about David Harbour. He is one of my bigger man man crushes. I remember falling asleep watching his Frankenstein play on Netflix and having a dream about him. No way. Yeah. It's, it's, wow. The guys, the guys, a, the guy's a, a play nut man. The, the guy's all about theater and he really invests himself in things and he's very passionate about everything. I, I love following him on Instagram because he's so silly. You can tell that <laughs> you can tell that the guy has had, uh, a, not an ideal life enough to the point that he savors every moment of his success and, uh, also appreciates everyone that's around him. That's the that's the general feeling I get with this guy. Not to mention like yeah. like just scenes in Stranger Things when he's like sitting there watching TV, dipping oh. a, dipping a nacho straight into the paste picante sauce, like drinking like totally believably Mil- yeah, exactly. hardcore life. Yeah, it, drinking Milwaukee's best. Like <laughs> I, I, it, it just it's those little nuances. Like for example, let's go back to Taskmaster. It's always bothered me that he's an assassin and he's in just the brightest of whites. Like, what do you? Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Moon Knight makes any yeah. sense, or any number of other characters. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Matter. If you're an assassin, you um, you want to be in the the darker, more camouflage esque uh, color scheme there to get things done. But so I'm I'm happy with it happened in the Black Widow movie. I didn't look too much into it. Well, the, the the trailer. I didn't look too much into it because I'm just looking for. I'm hoping it's for it to be as good as Rogue One was. Oh and, wow! And the, what a what a point to set your sights. Yeah, in in, in the scheme of, of all these movies are way more serious and uh, have way more impact on what's going on in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Rogue One only had like a, a dent in the you know dent in the armor there. Like what they really did was make sure they got you know established who created the Death Star, and they got the plans to Leia, which was perfectly 
perfect enough uh, for the at least for the the little things that it did to me um for example and i love talking about this with true star wars fans about that were or our age was watching rogue one and out of the darkness that lord vader not darth vader that not 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 the guy that is the whiny little bitch that we've seen grow up but the the one from our childhood when the one true Vader, the, the Vader that was just the Vader of the Empire Strikes the Back, the one that was scary the Vader as of your nightmares, scary as hell. Yes, the one of the nightmares. Yeah, and when he came out of the darkness, just lightsaber on, boom, and then just starts executing, murdering people, and there was no stopping him. And and to to have that little that little bit of um. Oh, I wet. Oh, dude, like I, it just it's it, it brought me back to being a kid again. And I hope they do something like that uh within uh the the film of uh Black Widow. And you know, it, it at least yeah. for it to at least be as good as Rogue One was in in the scheme of things and the metaphor I'm trying to build here. If I could, I'd like to say and invite anybody to um go back and watch Casino Royale in 2006. And see David Harbour portray the um, scumbag CIA agent who was working with Lashif, uh, that Jeffrey Wright, his character as Felix from the CIA, was so disgusted with. It's a small role, but when you go back and you're like, holy crap, that guy can pour it on. That's the first time I recall ever seeing him. But simultaneously going, I feel like I've seen this guy before. And then he starts showing up all these years later. Because the best American actors, I think, get their careers really going when they're middle-aged. And I'm not talking about lady actors. They can pull it off anytime. Uh, men can also start pulling it off anytime. Like David Harbour. Go back and look at John... Yeah. Go back and look at John Spencer, who was in The Rock, and then portrayed the... Uh, White House Chief of Staff in the West Wing. You just look at that guy and you're like, God, what a performer, what a character actor. So anyway, long story long, all of that, blah, blah, blah. We need to progress. Let's uh, let's make a ham-fisted segue. Yeah. What do you let's, got? Uh, well, we got to talk about comics. We, we, we got a lot of comics to talk about, guys. Uh, just to give you a preview, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, Cobra Kai, Karate Kid, Saga Continues, number two. Archie and Sabrina number five, which is actually legacy number uh, 709, the breakup issue. Yeah. Thor the Worthy number one, Dr. Doom number three, Daredevil number 14, Annihilation Scourge, Fantastic Four. Um, the Batman number number uh, 84, Dead Eyes number three, Justice League number 37, Spawn number 303. I'm going to give you a kick-ass recap of what's going on in X-Men because you need it because uh, there's a lot of them coming out and I have some questions about the new john constantine hellblazer number one that i need to talk about with colin because i'm still confused about it in terms of if i like it or not because i'm conditioned to like john and i've been disappointed for the past uh, i want to say like 10 years uh maybe 15 actually but that that's neither here nor there and uh but uh real quick we do want to talk about some happenings going on in the star trek universe um uh, oh god yeah. yeah Uh, break it down brother uh you know yeah we did i I don't know if it's up yet but we uh did an episode of season one star trek the next generation um about uh, because dc fontana wrote it 
So if you haven't seen that episode or if you haven't uh, caught up with our, our, our uh, Star Trek minefields about that, uh, it'll be up soon. Yeah, I haven't posted that one and yet. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, DC Fontana is not... I'm not going to qual- quantify her as a friend, but I, I visited with her a bunch. So there's that. And she died last week. And um, she was a... She pushed the glass ceiling a long way. And if you don't know who she is, look her up. Okay? Uh, as a writer... In Hollywood, in the 60s, she went by DC to hide the fact that she was Dorothy, and uh, she was writing contemporary television in the 60s at a time when women did not do that. And God bless her, she was a doll. She is gone now. And then, uh, okay, Renee Abajanois died this week also, and he was... Odo on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, let alone being a regular on Benson in the 80s, if that's a show you were into. Um, and she, uh, all right, I'm sorry, and, and Renee, he was everybody's friend. Uh, he was a super sweet guy in the cast of Deep Space Nine. Odo is. A very, very important character. And I can't really explain that if you haven't seen it, because I don't want to spoil it for Joshua, who hasn't seen it in Deep Space Nine, and is going to be completely bowled over. Because if you're if you're me and you like TNG, that's one thing, and then you like Deep Space Nine, and then if you're Joshua and you like TNG, I can't wait to see what you feel like about DS9. Uh, and I think Odo is a character you will gravitate towards. Uh, Renee Aubergenois, the the in person story I've got with him was that in uh, probably two thousand seven or eight, whenever the movie came out, I went to see a screener of Children of Men with my girlfriend Tammy when we were living in L.A. and uh, she was a costumer on Desperate Housewives. So we went to go see Children of Men because she had a had a screening pass and we watched the whole thing and it just shocked the holy hell out of us. When we walked away, we realized that Renee and his wife were there and they were walking away and they were discussing it. And uh, I had been deep. I was up to my eyeballs in working in the Star Trek auction at that point. And I just said, Renee? And he turned around and acted like he knew me. <laughs> I was like, you know, you have no idea who I am, but I just wanted to see, well, what, what did you think of this movie? And we just talked about that show. We just talked about that movie for a second, and it made him think of 28 Days Later. I just remember him saying it made him think of 28 Days Later. And uh, we visited for a second, and that was kind of it. That was my only exposure to him, and he was, he was very nice, because you could just talk to him. Was he a tall man? Oh yeah, he's tall. He was tall. He was at least my height, and I'm six three. I felt like he was that tall, even if he isn't that tall. He was there with his wife. Uh, I never saw him at a convention. I never talked to him before or after that. And somehow or another, it just 
it really hurts for that to happen because he's, if I'm not mistaken, the first Deep Space Nine performer to be gone from us. Hmm. And so after that, Marina Sirtis, who played Counselor Troy in Next Generation, was just in Oklahoma doing a movie, and I did not work on it because I'm doing this tornado movie right now. And when we're done with it here at the end of next week, I'll go into detail about what the uh, tornado movie is all about. Uh, I'm going to have to answer the door in a second because somebody's bringing me something. Yeah, but the uh, her her um, husband, Michael Lambert, yeah. passed, and I, I yeah. bless her and her family. And I, I, I seriously, I mean, it's too bad for someone to be gone from us but it's more it's worse for her you know so is that think about all of these people's families and uh roll on does that count as the, the third i'm not sure i mean i sure as hell hope so because uh that's enough death in star trek for a long time i i live in <laughs> For a long, long time, I live in abject fear of finding out that Bill Shatner is gone or <laughs> uh, George Takei, especially since my son just finished reading George Takei's book. Man, I got that I got that graphic novel, uh, They Called Us Enemy, just a couple of weeks ago, and I read about half of it, and my boy read the whole thing in an afternoon. He just dove right in. It's, and I forgot to pick it up from this weekend. Or Walter Koenig. I mean, I just think about those original series cast members. I know Nichelle Nichols is she's, getting ready to stop making public appearances, but she's doing it for the money so that to take care of herself or her family or whatever, and she should just do whatever she feels like she needs to do. But uh, I'm really... I'm real tight in the chest thinking about these things. Yeah. They've been so much for us all. and It'll be all right, brother. <laughs> what are you going to do? We don't have Leonard Nimoy. We don't have Jimmy Dewan. It's just shocking. We don't that... have Anton Yelchin. Oh, my God. I can't wait to watch I that spent... documentary, by the way. I know. I just saw the ad for that the other day. I can't wait to check that out. Let's progress any minute now. My buddy Cam is about to knock on my door, and <laughs> he's bringing me something from the store. All right, let's let's get on with it. What do you uh, what what have you got for your first? Book? Uh, well, what, we still got to mention Wonder Woman, and it looked oh hell it, yeah, it looked cool. Uh, the only thing I felt was I can't wait to call my friend Allie, and we used to stage these fights at this bar Blue in Norman all the time because we that's like my favorite bar in the world. Two dollar uh-huh. wells, and then all the cool, cool people in art school, all the people that uh, make anything worthwhile. It looks like one of those bars that you walk in, and you're spending money just being there because it's Rorschach art and stuff, and all the girls are tens wearing little black, uh, black um, dresses, that sort of thing. But uh, we would always stage these uproarious fights about me being on the side of New New Order and her being the huge Joy Division fan. And, awesome. and we we awesome. would get awesome. we would get into it and it was all in good fun but 
we were really just trying to make our waitress uh, really uncomfortable <laughs> because we had really great points about the music and it would always come down to you can't dance to Joy Division. Yes, you can, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, not the way I want to dance. And then uh, bringing it full circle to Wonder Woman, they're playing Bizarre Love Triangle through that whole damn song. That through, through the whole the, the whole damn trailer in 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 like four different versions and it, it just made me so happy hearing it like unexpected new order yes sign me up thank you very much um it looked cool um yeah let's have some chris pine let's have some fun 80s fights um it looked like a lot of fun i'm just glad that yeah it's something that dc is doing right i had a argument with a friend the other day about uh, dc the problem with the movies isn't the directors or anything well the problem is they're trying to make marvel movies out of a, out of dc and you, you you can't do that because dc is a whole other emotional level that you have if if you're into dc you i mean just break it down just talk about the green lanterns i mean there's there's a color for every fucking emotion and there's not anything like that that i can even think of off the top of my head that would equate to something that someone that's really into marvel let's get you know into all these fights and uh, have cool outfits and uh, you know just you know straight no foreplay type stuff and DC mm-hmm. you, you you need to ease into that and they did Wonder Woman perfectly that last movie they did uh, was amazing I loved it and I just hoping for some more good fun and and a, a true blue uh, DC movie the way that they put all the effort into the damn cartoons everyone knows that the the best cart the best thing dc does when it comes to like something you watch on television or a movie is the animation their films are crap and it's the vice versa for for marvel their their animation is is lackluster uh excluding early 90s stuff um i'm talking about the, like you know when you watch like uh, the last one i can think of i really liked was uh the thor wolverine and then the second part hulk versus wolverine which they really had to borrow. They had to borrow from the Ultimate Universe. Um, that's what I got for Wonder Woman. It looks great. I'm happy for for some new order. That's- oh, dude, yeah, yeah. That music crunched. It was so badass. I, I, I wonder. Like, I think about that, and I'm like, the future of feature film scoring should maybe be to take music that everyone likes, buy the damn song. Or pay a license to use it and then score the music for the movie based off of something that is already an obvious crowd pleaser. And I'm saying that and thinking that I'm a total sellout. But I have for years thought about trying to find a way to make a trailer based around just the music from Stay by Shakespeare's Sister. Or something like that. Just... Just ridiculous little premises. And uh, I gotta say, just the music in that trailer sold me on it. I have never seen the Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie. Mainly because I held off being promised I was going to watch it with my ex-girlfriend, and it never happened. Um, So, I feel like I'm going to end up like Paul... Paul Giamatti in uh, Sideways, just sitting there drinking that phenomenal wine and eating a, some bullshit to-go burger, you know? <laughs> and that's how I'm going to watch Wonder Woman. By myself, enjoying the hell out of it and being like, I don't have a problem being attracted to every single human woman in this thing because nobody's going to judge me because I'm doing it by myself. 
I don't know. Anyway, if you happen to be a single human female on this planet uh, between the ages of 25 and <laughs> 50, um, if you have a Star Trek tattoo, your application goes straight to the front of the line. Uh, and you want to watch the watch Wonder Woman with me? I am completely interested in uh, hearing about it. Well then, I think we should take a break. And, <laughs> I think we should take a break. All right, let's carry I think on. We should take a break until your friend shows up. Uh, last, last but not least, before we get into comics, we need to talk about Watchmen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, boy, there's more, you know, like motion content than comics. Well, we, we, we had a lot to say about a lot of things, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're experts. Why not? Just let me know when you're ready. Let me type this real quick. Cool. Oh, shit. I forgot to turn off the clock. Uh, that's another thing. Just one second. Clock? Yeah, my time's up. For work? Yeah. Oh, they do that fucking clock in, clock out. When you get here, sign in online. Oh, come on. Do what I fucking... We are bound. (laughs) They're still texting me. About what? Uh, Oh, this is terrible. This is not the right way to do this. Hold on a second. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Good luck. Godspeed. We're all counting on you. Um, I need to <laughs> send my time card to Casey. There it is. How? We're all counting on you. How? <laughs> all right. Here we go. Let's do this. We're still recording. It's 9.09. It's the 10th of the 12th month. It's 2019. God bless America. Here we go. Carry on. I'll sound sync clap for us. Ready? Three, two, one. Clap. <laughs> All right. We're back from a quick break. Clap. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got one last thing to talk about. We have been obsessed. Well, at least I have been with Watchmen. Uh, episode eight. A God walks into Abar, as in Angela Abar. Like, quite literally. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it was they've, 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 uh, they can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them can be obvious. Yeah. Um, I I love the fact that Doctor Manhattan is African American because they didn't arbitrarily pick it. 
and and not that I have some sort of insight into the writer's room in this, but you know, I hate when they just decide, Oh, we need to make this group of people happy, whether if it's uh, um, LGBTQ or, or uh, we need a, you know, like, you know, like when you're looking at the cover of a, of a bunch of kids on the front of a, of a Bible or, or a textbook. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's always a white boy, a white girl, a Chinese kid, or a vaguely Asian kid, a black, a black kid, vaguely yeah. Asian, uh, a pan ethnically ambiguous character, yes. uh, a Mexican kid, and maybe a kid in a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Could be from oh yeah, like every eighties cartoon. Yeah, there's a sporto, a girl, a black guy, yeah. a kid in a wheelchair who's definitely into computers. Yeah, uh, there's a fruity kid. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who's into drama or something? Exactly, and and the- I saw one that was legitimately like that recently, mm-hmm. and it was like, "There's definitely got to be a kid who's got a Walkman who's into rollerblading, and then uh, definitely a white kid with dark hair, a white kid with blonde hair. That's a boy." It was so Rainbow Coalition. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's Captain Planet, but uh, oh man, the, the worst. This they did it right. It was organic to the story. It it was it, organic. It felt that way, and I didn't feel like. And, and I'm constantly in a constant state of paranoia that I'm being pandered to or lied to in some sort of sense as a storyteller. And uh, a god walks into a bar, lays it out flat. Listen, we're in love. You just don't know it yet. Listen, we're having an argument. Our first fight. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, they established the precedent for it uh, in uh, the movie and the book, obviously. Um, luckily I had rewatched Watchmen this weekend from what little bit of amount of awake I had from being sick. But he even said when he goes to Adrian, I told you, last thing I told you, I was disappointed. I was disappointed in you. And I'm like, oh yeah, he, he, he did say that. <laughs> yeah. He did say that. the direct sequel and it's super appropriate. Yeah. You get to see the, uh, um, where the, the squids are coming from. It's Adrian just randomly teleporting them just to keep people in their toes that there still may or may not be a alien God out there that, is going to show up and do the same thing again. Uh, the conversation was expert. I loved it. What did you think? I loved the episode after I watched it. Before I watched it, in the week preceding, I hated that they were bringing Dr. Manhattan back. I don't want to live in a world... Uh, I am a world without a Superman type of guy. I am a guy that gets Lois Lane writing her Pulitzer Prize winning uh, Why the World Doesn't Need Superman article from Superman 2006. Superman, what was the name of that movie? Brendan Routh? The Brendan Routh Superman. Superman, Re- Superman Returns, the direct sequel to Which Richard Which I have a love-hate relationship with. I love Routh. Uh, when, when you were dissing on DC movies earlier, one thing which I totally agree with, one thing that came to mind was the opposing viewpoint that I absolutely love Man of Steel. I think that was a great movie and a great launching point for a DC movie franchise. Anyway, um, Watchmen is where it's at. How did you feel? And how did you feel when you walked into yeah. the bar? Were you ready? I didn't care. I didn't care about any of that. I thought it was stupid. Why does Dr. Manhattan, in a direct sequel TV series to the 
2009 movie need to come back to Earth for any reason, specifically something as pedantic as love. And yet here I am moaning and bemoaning love right before we start this whole conversation. Sorry, folks, it's an entire 45 minutes of minefields that you're not getting. I don't. And that's Joshua and I, you know, going at it about our lives. And uh, I just don't get Dr. Manhattan coming back to Earth to experience human things after that movie. But if they can prove to me why it's worth doing and they have one episode left, I'll buy it because everything else in this series has been gangbusters. I just don't want some bullshit cliffhanger ending. I hope they form a new group of Watchmen. Obviously, I would want it to be what they've already set up. Uh, That Russian dude, the pirate chick. That guy, we have seen no powers. What does he have? I don't care. I like him. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Looking Glass, Sister Knight. I don't care. I mean, that's just me just spitballing. I I don't know. Brainstorm, nothing... Nothing's a bad idea, even though it probably later on I'm gonna be like, man, I should edit that out. It's only five minutes, but um, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, though, I I love the fact that they were trying to humanize Doctor Manhattan because that was the one thing that no one would have seen coming was that Doctor Manhattan would give a shit about being a human again. And why would it be? Well, no, I hope it's all part of his ulterior motive. Uh, I I I I don't care. I'm just happy with it. Like it didn't. It was one of the few times I was able to sit back and enjoy something without overanalyzing it and enjoying the writing and not, well, that's not what they did in the comic book. Like, no, I, nothing like that. Nothing in the sense that, like, where I was let down. I was just, uh, I, I guess the best point I could say about Watchmen is they've given me an excuse to enjoy something without any sort of premeditated this better be good or um oh wow or, good or, or they they better not fuck this up for the comic or they or you know Zack Snyder did this no it it was pure unadulterated i'm here to enjoy to my, enjoy myself and for something that is academic and something that should be studied and with amazing acting and I, I still like I still gotta say my favorite point uh part in, in the entire series so far was in the episode where you find out about Hooded Justice and you see her take over Hooded Justice's body when he says hands him the mm-hmm. noose and says, Okay, you can hang yourself now. The look of disgust yeah. uh to her mentor and uh, I loved the I loved it breaking down their love story. I still need to know why that she forgot he was Doctor Manhattan because um, they haven't mentioned anything. Oh, she didn't forget it. Yeah, she did. She had no idea he was Doctor Manhattan until her, her grandfather and that Asian chick told her. She had no idea. She'd completely forgotten. We still don't know who the second guy was that was in the house uh, that attacked her on White Christmas. I don't think I. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I get. I get. Where you're and and the fact that a bunch of uh, what they initially what are pre. Pre uh, conceived notions of a bunch of damn dumbass rednecks that are suiting up as uh, I guarantee they're not a bunch of dumb. That's damn that's what my point is. Is they're not. They they just kidnapped Doctor Manhattan, and uh, that 
they're about to try to turn uh, another guy into an, a, a semi, you know, same thing. You know, where did they get their, you know, intrinsic field remover? Uh, we don't know yet. We just see the the, the tele- oh, lady true, the, obviously the, the teleportation device. If, if she's, I don't think she's she's teaming with with uh, with these guys. I think there's a different agenda here. But oh, I don't think it's this simple. It's just easy to peg bad guys as racists. Yeah. Uh, because it's too too easy for, uh, or it's too difficult to be a white man in America in that 2019. Well, that's... It's already pretty freaky at this point. I think the Watchmen universe is our world ranked up to uh, a higher degree. Right. By at least sevenfold. I mean, they, they don't have the internet or cell phones, but still... Why not? And I think that uh, Silk Spectre is going to be... What the hell is that all about? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I'm i loving it. It's it's a nice removal of something that would be a normal constant. I think Silk Spectre is going to be one of the main heroes of this. I hope so. I, I want to see her come out like gold and walk away from everything. But I'm more interested... That's the sub, simple, silly part of being human, is wanting to see her re-encounter John and be like broken down because she might be hard-ass, she might be an amazing detective, she's a qualified FBI agent who's a superheroine, but you put the thing that she always wanted most in her life in front of her and... Uh, John DeLover? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Why not? In the end, you know, take take the one person that you felt most likely to have worked out. Oh, I, I, I see what you're saying here. You know. I, I see, you know, I see what you're saying here. There's the one person that you wish it could have worked out with, and then there's the one person that you, in all aspects of the word it's you the, settled for because this is the best you're gonna do that one's gone dude, you gotta ruined. watch Battlestar Jesus you gotta watch Battlestar uh, go go into the fourth season friends uh, you know who if you've seen Battlestar go back to the fourth season and look at Chief Tyrrell and Admiral Adama having a conversation after the boxing match or before the boxing match and Chief Tyrrell Telling, or Adama saying, I'm sorry about what happened to Callie. We all loved her. We all thought she was great. And then Chief Terrell just being like, man, F everybody. F that. F you for that. Yeah, you're my superior officer. Here we are living in a world where we had absolutely the love we wanted. And it didn't work for this reason, this ridiculous reason. And now we're stuck living in the world where all we have is the is is the love of what's left. There is more telling scripture in Battlestar Galactica than most television you're ever going to watch. And Watchmen is quite up there in merely 10 episodes. It would be interesting to see that go for four seasons. Battlestar went for four seasons with the little TV movies and stuff. But it'll tell you about your life in a, in a fascinating way. Anyway, I'm going to get off that. 
We've got comics to talk about. Good comics. So many comics. We've got a lot of comics. We have tremendous comics. The best. Tremendous comics. comics. They're the best comics, comics that have ever been Little made. hands worth of comics. <laughs> Impeachable worth amount of uh, comics. I almost did a spit take. I was drinking water when you said <laughs> that. Don't do that. <laughs> we turn off the video when we're doing this because it messes with our uh, bandwidth, especially in this dipstick uh, hotel internet. But That won't last forever, folks. I'll be back in my own internet soon enough. Hopefully soon. Um, Which one do you want to do first, man? We uh, Let's uh, let's see. We've... What's the most heady book that we read this week so that we can stay in the... Uh, Daredevil. Turned up to 12 or 10. Oh, Daredevil. Holy moly. What the hell? How can they manage this degree of incredible? Um, <coughs> Let's see. I, let me let me find my uh, credits page for that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that someone finally had the guts to, okay, let's, let's develop some characters here as opposed to what they did in Shadowland where it was real quick, n- nitty gritty, just... Uh, you're in the sewers, and he may or may not be evil, and uh, he's controlling the hand. I mean, that 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 had a lot of potential, uh, but it didn't have potential in the sense of developing characters in this new policeman that is struggling with his beliefs, especially when you find out that he killed a kid. That oh, still yeah. come on, Danny Glover killed a kid in Lethal Weapon what three, and it was. An amazing character development. I I think this character is awesome. We're we're, we're talking about Through Hell, Part Four, written by Chip Zdarsky, artists uh, Marco Cicchetto and Francesco Mobili, color artist uh, Nolan Woodard, uh, VCs Clayton Cowles, letter uh, cover artist Julian Turchino Tedesco. Oh, I love I really love Julian's artwork that he's been doing consistently through this series of daredevil because it's okay. So, you know, I've got that big hang up that the, the cover better be something that happens in the actual episode and you look at it and, yeah, and, and yeah. you got to be smart enough to know that you're being challenged from the first, from just looking at it as a whole, intrinsically, uh, just oh, holistically, sorry. Uh, it's daredevil is popping out at you bright white and obvious this is either a really kick-ass canvas painting or they add an effect uh, when they're doing it digitally. But it's just two hands having coffee, broken hands, bloody knuckles. The You see you, you see the two things paired, the badge versus the batons. And they're not fighting. So you know that there's if you really look into it, that there's going to be some sort of discourse here. And then at the very top of the page, you see Zdarsky. Okay, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm I'm sold through hell, Daredevil. I mean, like it plays to the name and uh, designing the just the cover itself. I I, I love it. Uh, if if you looked at this from any other sense, like if this was a painting on a wall, and it didn't say Daredevil, would you stop and be like, okay, there's some people having coffee who gives a crap? But someone that has uh, the wherewithal to understand art or to challenge themselves. To look at it and be like, no, this is what's going to happen in the damn issue is these guys are going to yeah. sit down and have a conversation. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, 
people had a huge problem about this when uh, Pulp Fiction happened. It was just people talking the whole damn time. And then you and then yeah. you had like the few people. It was ultra violent. There was very few scenes of violence in that movie. Um, granted, when it did happen, it was pretty brutal. Uh, however, challenge yourself, and that's what's happening in Daredevil, guys. And that is why I'm focusing on this cover because it is a great work of art, and I would I would love to own this. I mean, this would be something I would love to have over. Uh, to I could look at when I'm having my mor- morning coffee and my breakfast to think about all the things I'm going to challenge myself with in the day, whether if it's my own uh, internal struggles or I've got a problem with a coworker at work that I'm going to have to sit down and figure it out. And the the badge, the honor, and then the vigilante, the batons are st- even even there paired against each other and. That's pretty much what I had from this issue. Uh, please go into the dialogue for me. I know you get a lot of uh, insights into it as well. Oh, man. I mean, I was kind of... I, I really like that moment between um, uh, Mama... Li- I don't know how to quantify her, actually. Mama Libris and her son. He shot him down. I mean, knowing... I don't... I, I, I felt like that was a little rough and and everything, but like... We're talking about the gang war that's happening because uh, Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York City right now. There's a there's a mafia gang war brewing up because the owl is trying to take over, and there's a moment where uh, the Libris matriarch was basically shooting down her son. Like you know, I'll I'll make sure everybody knows that you uh, died being a tough guy because you're being stupid. But that was a great a great point. But then has to be. there was that moment where the kingpin was like, I'm not going in today. Wesley, his aide-de-camp, was like, okay, it's cool. You know, we can do that. The kingpin can't hide from what he did. No. He killed a guy in that, in that bathroom in a recent issue. And I, if you've been listening to us at all, you know what we're talking about because you've been following the book. And if you have, if, I mean, what, what else are you here for? If you're not reading this book by now, I mean, come yeah. on, guys. Read Daredevil. Read contemporary Daredevil. If you're not reading contemporary Daredevil, go back and read the Bendis Malieve Daredevil Volume 2. Get on board with some Daredevil. It's the best thing Marvel has going for it. It's the most consistent. It's a crime drama. If you're not into that, find something else. It's okay. I'm just saying you're not going to be disappointed. So, things being what they are... Um, but but you're right about her. I, her, I read into that. You no, know, you're 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 absolutely perfect to read into that because that is the that's going to be one of the turning points in this is that you can't just be a tough guy anymore. And the woman had to lay it down for that dumbass machismo dipshit. That's like, <coughs> oh, I gotta you know we gotta go in there and fight. He's she's like, no, uh, we gotta play this smart. Uh, yeah, no, we gotta do the right thing, the appropriate. And, thing. and I, I, look, I'm not even seeing her being too concerned about their criminal uh you know enterprises right now they're just trying to keep the peace right now as opposed to you know power vacuum you know uh, that that's what that's how isis happened power vacuum you go in there you kill everyone uh in power oh man power vacuum. yeah and yeah. that's what they're doing when you with. think about the original the first gulf war that was the whole point I don't want to get into it too too crazily. Right. The whole power vacuum of, like, do we kill Saddam or do we let the Kurds take over Iraq, you know? Uh, at least then there would be an, uh, a whole new person in charge 
That's a whole story. That's a whole no, thing. no, no, Don't no, no, no. That's that's a precedent. that's a perfect way to but, say it because she even like even Hammerhead is smart enough to know. Uh, yeah, we can't let this asshole take over. <laughs> we got to figure this out. Yeah. So let me let me get at this. You're asking me about dialogue. I'm going to go in and I'm going to say that moment was pretty impressive. Um, the the girl that uh, Matt Murdock has been hooking up with, who's the Libras, I can't remember her first name off the top of my head. Uh, the, the 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 gal from the the gal who's married to the guy we're dissing, who is the bookstore owner, um, coming in and shutting down Matt Murdock. Wow. Like, when do you read anything where the protagonist gets, like, slapped by someone who knows better than he Yeah, does? put in his place. Or somebody who's going to come away from it and just be like, you know what, yeah, no, I deserve better than what you're doing to me. That's gutsy. Yeah. To take your protagonist and, and bring them humility like that was fantastic. And what's more, let me go back to the kingpin. When you get back, or I'm sorry, Wilson Fisk, as it were, when you get into Wilson and he's like, I can't, I'm not going in today. Oh, my God, we're seeing his huma- his uh, mortality where he's like, I can't go in. I killed a guy. They're going to come after me, blah, 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 blah. And then someone phones him up and they're just like, hey, yeah, Wilson, we're rich and we're ridiculous and we're old money and we've been here forever. And you're the mayor and we're going to do this thing. OK, bye bye. Yeah. And he gets pissed off. Because we know what you and did. Going, <laughs> we know what you did. You're never going to have the freedom you had being illegitimate by being legitimate, dude. Like the Kingpin is experiencing, I'm sorry, Wilson is experiencing the futility of legitimacy. He can't just kill these guys for disrespecting yep. him. He can't just ruin their businesses for disrespecting him. That's not how it works anymore. You're going to be legit. You have to play legit. And I don't think he knows how to do it. It's not going to be long before he's no longer the mayor. He's either going to be ousted or he's going to lose an election or he's going to, um, I don't know, be impeached or he's going to, um, I don't know what, like, I hope, I hope that he has a full run and he's like, Screw this. I'm going back to what I did, or I'm disappearing. I'm thinking he's going to take over because these guys are already taunting him. Like, hey, we know what you did, but we're not that mad. Uh, obviously, they didn't, probably didn't like that guy too much from what they showed at that, oh, at that for dinner. Sure. Uh, but we, it was like a call. It was like, hey, we know what you did. We haven't figured out what we want to do with you yet, but you're not out per se yet. Uh, we're still figuring it out. So just to let you know, we know. Oh, I mean, there's any number of directions. Maybe the guy was a plant. Oh, yeah, he'll annoy the crap out of him, and then we'll get him to be an animal. You know what I mean? Like, craziness. And then maybe he'll kill everybody. Like, Wilson Fisk could easily steal the entire spotlight of this book from Matt Murdock. But somehow or another, the investment that that they're putting into this is, this is lasting comic book gold. When you think about all the books you read and nothing you're reading is going to matter down the line, Daredevil in this writing team is going to last forever like every other writing team since 2000. I agree. Be assured. I agree. Let's progress. I agree. Let's uh, do Doctor Doom number three. Oh. 
another delicious issue in this chronology. Uh, you know, they're brewing up the possibility of a war between Latverius and Caria, which is where the Silver Sable comes right. from. Um, if you know who she is. And uh, I don't know if anybody needs me to spell it out for you. But um, you know what's missing drastically from this book is Dread Knight. Really? The original, actual superhero of Latveria. Are you familiar with Dread Knight? Uh, I remember from his trading card. You should remember him from the uh, coordinated efforts that we put together for um, stuff that involved our characters. <coughs> In, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I do now. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back and think about that because uh, he was involved with um, in what we were working on Darkhawk, let alone other guys. Uh, things being what they are, there's this uh, there's this lady character who's running Latveria right now because Doctor Doom was arrested recently, and he's still seeing this like future iteration of himself. And I'm looking at her and going, we already have a hotly established that Varian super character that's not Doctor Doom, and it's Red Knight. So why aren't we doing anything with this? Or was he captured? Was he defeated? Was he killed? Did he give up? What's the deal? You know? And that's the only thing that bothers me about this. Outside of it, I don't care about all these characters that got killed on the moon, but it's clearly a... Uh, a plot development point, but I dig Morgan Le Fay appearing in the now in contemporary time, like in contemporary costume and just being like, yeah, I can speak the speak and I can walk the walk because I know what it's like to be here, let alone I'm the one who taught you the dark arts in the back past, you know, like the geek past because Dr. Doom's the one that developed the actual time platform. Uh, so things being what they are, it's, this is a great book. Dr. Doom. It's where it's at. I'm I'm just happy that I enjoyed seeing Mephisto show up and not get pissed off right away. Because anytime I've seen Mephisto in the past, I want to say 15 damn years, when he shows up, he's a, uh, a D-list character that has little to do with anything uh, except a small influence or a fix. Uh, and... Yeah. I liked his interaction with Doom. I liked the fact that we saw Doom have some power in Hell. He forged his new armor. Uh, if that's going to be something that lasts, or if it's only within the oh, what a call back. within the Hell uh, that he's in. And uh, uh-huh. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it it's, I'm still confused that they would have a, a two simultaneous stories going on within the pages of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, and uh, 2099, where Doom was coincidentally shot in the oh, head yeah, at the same right. time. Um, I see, I, I kind of get what they're going with with Doom because they want to keep this going on when they eventually wrap up 2099. Um, real quick with 2099, I'm really disappointed with all the new uh, small one off books that have been coming going on because they've been picking that they're, I feel like they're trying to start a universe that people should care about with just one shot issues that are not written as good as they should have been written and not as drawn as good as they should have been drawn. Um, if I was editor, Illustrated. yeah, if I, if I was editor right now, like I'd want Copiel, I'd want Lou on this. I'd uh, give us a, you know, 
we're going all in on this 2099 thing right now uh, because obviously everything they did with Spidey 2099 that happened in the past like six, seven years uh, was always really good. It was phenomenal. I really loved it. And they've, they're teasing you with some Doom 2099. I know you're real happy about that. But... Dude, 2099 and 2020 are two insulated little plot concepts that, if they do it right, could be gold for years to come. But it's complicated. Like, how do you make that make sense or work? They could be completely developing this book into a 2020 concept that would morph into a 2099 that could make them hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> uh, not, not just, not uh, just it, hundreds. It, it could go a long way. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of... I've been in this business for years and I've made hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, Alright. That's what we say so, all the time in my dumb Doctor Doom number three, writer Christopher Cantwell, artist Salvador La Roca. Oh, Salvador La Roca. By the way, Mr. Salvador, you are knocking this out of the damn park. Your artwork in this is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I love the fact of how detailed the faces are, uh, and whether you're tracing them the way they were doing it on Star Wars for a while back, uh, or just being a killer artist the way that. Um, Mike Diodato is with like the oceans of skulls and bones and the lava. I mean, you really made hell something that I felt and could smell and good. Yeah. Good job. Totally true. And yeah. Mephisto being who Mephisto should oh, be. Still kowtowing to Lady Death. Oh, oh, oh my. Can't just sneak up Lady Death with me. Oh. You know I'm collecting everything I can of Lady Death. I <laughs> love that Chaos Comics, baby. Love that Chaos Comics. Let's move on. Oh, did I tell I didn't tell you this. I went by a, uh, locally, this is a retail, uh, resale shop. Vintage stock. I went by a vintage stock to pick up a DVD copy of, um, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 last night and to peruse Pokemon cards because my son has me playing Pokemon cards again recently. And uh, I encountered a J. Michael Linsner's Dawn action figure. It was the one that I've got from, oh my god, it's been up in my mom's attic melting. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you promised me had a lady You dead. promised me you'd give me all of those uh, a long time ago, and that you also said that you <laughs> would not remember that conversation and that you should just give them to me regardless. I will find and collect those items for you <laughs> and give them to you. I do not remember said conversation. Great, because you, um, you also said that if you ever questioned it, that you should stop questioning it immediately, and I should tell you that now. I failed to remember <laughs> questioning it, yet I will no longer question it. Yeah, I know where to get you some solid uh, early 2000s, late 1999 uh Indie comics, bust-tacular action figuresses. Uh, so things being what they are, they're still in the package. <clears throat> and I know your address. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, in the Veil of Hellfire, I I want to... 
I want to transition over to uh, last week's uh, John Constantine Hellblazer. Veil of Hellfire. We go to John Constantine. Number one. They're calling this a black label book. A black label book. Oh, so it means it's so adult. Uh, This was actually pretty adult. (laughs) Actually pretty adult. Um, I'm a little confused why they would just slap the Sandman Universe logo on it. Because John's had very little to do with that universe in quite a very long time. Um, I can see why they'd want to do it uh, and why they'd have the aspirations to incorporate him back into that. But Vertigo is gone. And uh, I've got some tips on my shoulder about that in, in the first place. And uh, we did get a really good variant cover by uh, Charlie Allard, uh, Walking Dead guy. The artwork in this was really phenomenal. It was dense. It wasn't a bunch of talking heads. It was plotting rooms. It was showing the outside of a bar the way you would see it when you're walking up and you're anticipating what you're about to get into when you see the near-to-wells that are, uh, you know, hanging out outside smoking cigarettes. John doesn't look the typical John. Uh, A lot of different types of art forms here. I mean, they'd use a lot of different, like, cross-hatching and stippling in a lot of different ways. The the only thing I had a problem with about this, I really enjoyed the writing. We're going in on a really great, great path here that there is a specific park that is somehow guarded by angels that if anyone is doing something wrong in it, these angels will just skin you and dissect you uh, four waves from Sunday, uh, pun intended. And he's trying to not really help some drug dealers, but he's kind of put on the, uh, the point to help them in whatever way he can, because the people that are working for main said drug, drug, drug dealer is, uh, uh, some innocence. Um, but the drug dealer is a scryer and he's a horror specs. Uh, we're talking that sort of scrying is the type of scrying Think about the childish version of it. Think about Harry Potter and looking into the tea leaves. Oh, the grim. Uh, okay. Think about that. Yeah. But rather than using tea leaves and sweet tea after you've enjoyed your spot of tea and your, your biscuits, you're using entrails and dead flesh. Yeah. That is what a horror is. And that is what he's legitimately seeing and accurately uh, interpreting what's going on in this particular park that he's trying to do business in. The only problem I had in this was the intense amount of English and by English, I mean, UK jargon. It was a lot of, you know, they use words that mash four things together or it's this word is a metaphor that means this. I, it's not that it, I didn't have a problem being challenged. I, I guess I had the problem just I couldn't get to the end fast enough. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I, that's why I needed to tell it to you out loud was now that I think about it, I loved it. Dissecting all those words and having to take my time and not being able to get to the end as fast as I wanted to was absolutely enjoyable. But it was in the world of John Constantine that I have consistent nightmares and dreams of. And 
you know, it can be uncomfortable at times. And that's one of the reasons I love it. And I, best John Constantine comic I've read in probably 15 years. I don't think I've ever actually had one in life. I gotta go through, we gotta do credits. We gotta give some people some kick-ass credits because this was a phenomenal book. Support! Pay attention! Support your local artists or your local guys that live uh, across the pond. Written by Simon Spurrier. Art by Aaron Campbell. Colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by Aditya Bidikar. Covered by John Paul Leon. Love that one. And of course, variant cover by, like I said, Charlie Adler. Oh, wow. Variant. Right, well, Charlie Variant covers for Vertigo comics were few and far between back in the day. And, and those were usually death covers. I actually got uh, when uh, Hastings back in the day decided to start selling comics and just buying as many comic backlots as they could. And then having mm-hmm. their people just piece out things they thought looked uh, important <laughs> or uh, those people didn't know they, they didn't and there were some steals uh, I got death time of their life uh, time of your life signed by uh, Chris Bacallo but oh. it was issue two so it wasn't like oh it was like two dollars like, but it's not issue one no I picked up a bunch of Dan Abnett Andy Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy filler issues and then you know embellished it so i have a sick collection of that um they were underpriced completely like they were below cover uh likewise picking up all that 90s guardians this was before the guardians movie even came out so there was just something so fascinating about the uh Rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire leading into War of the Kings. And then, yeah, anyway, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about that. <clears throat> Let's progress. Let us progress. Uh, tell me about Archie. Let it happen. Let's do the complete opposite here. Oh, man. What a disappointment. How so? Uh, Archie 709. Archie and Sabrina, the teenage witch, have been dating forever for months, months, and months. Into the summer. So if you go back to the beginning of this whole sequence, a five-issue story arc, uh, they encountered each other in the summer, and um, everybody else, all the other high school kids in Riverdale, had gone away for the summer for Archie and Sabrina. They were all town to themselves, start seeing one another, because she and her aunts and talkative cat have uh, landed in Riverdale for whatever reason. And we still don't know why the hell, and we still don't know what the heck they're doing there. And there's been no progress, there's been no development, there's been nothing. It's just dragging ass across five books. And, uh, you know, Becky, Betty and Veronica were... Trying, you know, they're always doing their thing, where they're trying to figure out which one of them should be with Archie... Who's a dumb shit? He's just a dumb guy. Like, Archie is a dummy. He's a dummy. They should be going out with Jughead, chief investigator, you know, writer extraordinaire. Watch the show. They've started developing the characters based around the TV series, and it works. I loved the first two seasons of that series. So, um, 
then they're then you know veronica's trying to develop the wicked woods or whatever the crap and betty's trying to save it and sabrina's like uh yeah there are monsters in the woods but nobody knows that archie and sabrina they're like they were a, a couple and um it's over archie finally figured it out you know hey you said you were a witch what do you mean were i'm still a witch well like you know are you into like these little things or are you into like riding around on broomsticks and having powers and she's like archie goodbye and she just gets up and walks nice. off and that's the end of their relationship five issues that's how you end this relationship i like it you make archie into a dunce he's a, a dense jackanape it almost makes him sound racist that's some- because they decided to make the witches um more than human. Well, I don't. They're born into it. They're not mortals. I think it's more of the just a good relationship template. Like if you're in a relationship with someone, and you're invested. Don't just be like, "Hey, you done with this silly shit that I've been expecting you to uh, stop being." You know, out gr- of it yeah, general. exactly. Are you done with this yet? Uh, that's what I hear when you're telling me that. And then she she yeah. was smart enough to be like, "Dude, peace. I'm out." Like. <laughs> Good point. Good point. No, that's the problem I have with Archie in the show. Despite the fact that he's the protagonist and he's just wishy-washy. He is, uh, I'm going to do my music or whatever. Or I'm going to protect my dad who got shot by a serial killer. Or I'm going to do this, that, or the other. Or, you know, this lead a justice league or whatever the crap or i'm going to you know he gets arrested and goes to juvenile hall and gets into gladiator matches or some shit it's just like every every season every episode archie does the dumb thing the only characters that are worth paying attention to are betty and uh veronica and betty and Jughead and Peace. Jughead and his awesome dad portrayed by Skeet Ulrich. Everyone that's not and like Archie. that's what's feeding into the comics. But that's always Archie been the same way. is a dummy. It's always been that way, yeah. dude. <laughs> like that's how Archie's always been. Archie's always been. This I never group. knew it. I've just I'm just turned on by the neon uh, colors the, and the, the sourcey. Yeah, the best part about Archie is never Archie. It's always everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of Archie is Cole Cole Sprouse. But uh, everyone, everyone is trumped by uh, by Lily. Lily, um, oh, Reichenbach? I can't think of her. Now you're, now you're getting into Riverdale and they're going to confuse everyone or not. I know, I know. But, like, seriously. Uh, Credits. Oh, my God. The actress who plays Betty and uh, Cole Sprouse playing Jughead are just Dynamo actors. Uh, let me find you those credits. Uh, Nick Spencer and Mariko Tamaki are the writers. Lettering by Love Jack Morelli. Yeah. Art by Sandy Gerald. Colors by Matt Herms. Spencer did Morning Glories, one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm going to race through a couple um, things before we get to some better meat and potatoes. Um, Are we glossing over some stuff? Yeah, I want to gloss over some stuff that we can just quickly get through. Uh, Savage Avengers number eight. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Conan being integrated into the regular Marvel Universe. 
they're knocking. That's kind of badass. That's like having Ares or yeah. Hercules. But without all the stupid mythology behind them, uh, Conan is just a badass, period. There's nothing else yeah. to it. He will persevere. Everything they've done so far, uh, that <laughs> Savage sort of Conan or Conan the Barbarian, uh, also Savage Avengers right now, uh, Chapter 8, uh, writer Gary uh, uh, Duggan, artist Patch uh, Zercher, color artist uh, Java. Duggan, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's the noir guy. <laughs> noir. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yep. color artist uh, Java Tartaglia, letters VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, just read the damn book. <laughs> we're talking sorcerers. We're talking high adventure. We're talking Doctor Strange figuring things out with Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is. Uh, basically, Ooh. Conan has the sister, uh, the sister amulet, Eye of Agamotto. Oh, what? yes, there's an older one, and and yeah, there's an older one, and he uh, won this through heavy battle, and he basically is going to give it to the highest bidder. Uh, but he still has some uh, Bicrom. Uh, mercenary work to do from some people that have wronged a sorcerer that's wronged him, and Doom is because he made his way to Latveria, and Doom is seducing him with food. And Conan <laughs> says no, and he's like, Why not? And he's like, You're not eating. And Doom takes his mask off and eats with Conan. And Strange shows up, they're about to encounter another kick ass evil wizard. Uh, someone that uh, Strange had hoped that the next uh, highest sorcerer would have to deal with. Um, that's all I got to tell you about that one. It it was so much fun, and Savage Avengers is knocking it out of the park. I'm a little sad that Diodato's not doing it anymore, but the new artist is still just as good. So keep the momentum up. Momentum up. Thank you very much. Instead of giving us some D-lister, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm happy that you give people opportunities. You know, you got to get your, you got to get your dark match in. You got to get your, your shit in your, you got to get your, uh, you know, you suck before you start getting good, but who they, the momentum on this is, is really, really good. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. It's, it's something that, and it to put it in even better perspective. It's something I'm proud of when I go buy it at the comic store, because that's nice, when, man. That's not when, when, when you see the comic guy that, you know, is reading everything, look at your, your pile and he's going through, uh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. and then he sees one and he's like, Oh hell yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when you go to the record store and like, Oh, you're going to love this. No, that, that look is definitely in the look on someone's face when you're purchasing Savage Avengers. gotta read more conan man I'm, I'm reading literally everything that conan's in right now <laughs> making yeah. sure i'm making note of it join or die join or die spawn 303 oh yeah uh something that's kind of I, I don't want to know if it's i don't want to say if it's losing momentum i'm just uh integrating jessica priest as the she spawn all of a sudden now especially the way they introduced it in the last couple pages of spawn number 300 uh, all of a sudden, she's got this mystical motorcycle. Um, yeah, but at the same time, though, I'm a sucker for a mystical motorcycle. So, but it, within the pages, Ugh. within the pages of Spawn, I'm not gonna diss that too hard. I mean, I like Kavinsky. Well, it's all about the magic goat. 
Yeah, but within the within the pages of Spawn, I'm still kind of fighting it. Uh, they're mm-hmm. they haven't revealed is this new big baddie the like a supercharged violator yet? We don't know yet. Yeah. McFarlane has a heavy hand in this, which is something I insist if I'm enjoying Spawn because it's Todd script. Todd McFarlane, Jason Son, Sean Alexander, and Todd McFarlane do <clears> the <throat> art. Uh, so what that translates to me is that Jason Son, Sean Alexander did all the work, and Todd McFarlane digitally inked it. Um, lettering Tom Orzazowski, colors Peter Eagerwald, uh, cover artist Francesco Martina, other cover Todd McFarlane. Okay, so ah, it's it's getting somewhere very slowly, but that's okay. Uh, if anyone ever wants to know my problem with it, buy issue number ninety nine. My letters printed in it, complaining to Todd that. Each episode or issue of Spawn is just 10, 15 minutes. I'm surprised we haven't seen him on the crapper yet. But <laughs> Todd Todd wrote me a big old paragraph. I legit pissed him off. I'm I'm it's like my one of my claim to fame. I, I back in the day I remember reading uh the, the spawning ground and Todd not really being affected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not being really? affected by anything uh except you know, he didn't care what people said. He he'd respond in kind and professionally, but I I'd like to think I pissed him off. <laughs> what else? What else is worth glossing over? Uh, this is more than gloss. More than gloss. Yeah, I spent five more minutes on that. Gloss. That's that's basically like a minute second in the world of the minefields because we like last time we <laughs> talked for like forty five minutes. Don't gloss over anything. No. Um. Some jack and ape is like pounding on. Hotel room doors out here. I don't know what. Someone's got his meth. We'll see. Oh, I know what to gloss over. Batman. <laughs> oh dang. Batman number eighty four. Um, they are losing themselves in backstory, and this happened last time, but we didn't show it to you yet. And this happened last time, but we didn't show it to you yet. Uh, oh, we didn't show you this yet either, uh, but that happened a, a long time ago. But don't worry about that, because there's still this other thing going on. Um, but don't worry, we're going to show you this other thing that happened with uh, Thomas uh, being upset that Bruce is becoming him and wants him to avoid it, which is complete justification for him letting Bane take over uh, the entirety of Gotham and losing everyone in a very convoluted, not fun story. <laughs> oh, but but speaking, but there's more. Speaking, uh, there was also something okay. I didn't tell you ten minutes ago that would have been way more important and for you to understand what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> if I had just mentioned it back then, that is what it's like reading Batman right now. And it's not that I can't read; it's just not fun. Like, okay, is Cat is oh, man. is that's the worst thing you can say? Is is fun. Catwoman dead? I don't know. I, here she's. Possibly betraying Bruce right after the marriage, or wait, the, the, then that's when you propose. But then is she in the Flashpoint universe now? Or wait a minute, what's what's Martha doing there? Why are they even bringing her up for the first time in freaking forever? And it, it's it's all culminating to a a battle between Bruce and Thomas Wayne, and uh, there there is is Alfred really dead? I don't know. Um. Because they showed him die in, they they did the flashback of him dying in the last universe, yeah. and 
Things are getting complicated. No, things are getting boring. Things are getting boring, and I feel like the, the people that are responsible for making these guys pump these comics out are just be like, come on, hurry up, like snapping your fingers, like, like and, and they're getting confused at their own writing, <laughs> and it's, it's... That's the worst. Artwork is great, though. Artwork is great. Not gonna, not gonna crap on the art. The, the writing isn't that bad. It's just losing it in, in those so many specific senses that just get to just get to 85 and and that's that's what is uh, wait is there some kind of anniversary issue going well, on in 85 well you know how it is with like anything with a five or a zero or a one i know how it was in the 90s and well 80s. that's what they're doing right now and they're building the 85 let's get away from Let, that let's kind of stuff. let's just try to make the best book we can make Every week we can make it fashion properly so that we have a consistently paying book like Daredevil. Yeah, let's have some fun, goddammit. Because that's what we want. And I gotta pull up the credits. Hold on. And, and, and guys. Oh, don't make it sound like a chore. A <laughs> chore. I just. Hey, you're basically putting people on notice if they, at that point, hey, this book wasn't so hot. Here's the credits. These are the idiots you can <laughs> Like I said, the artwork was good. I'm sorry. They're probably not idiots. They probably have a gun to their head. Yeah. Like just, J. Michael Straczynski on Spider Man. Just like I said. All right. So, Tom so, King writer, Jorge Fornes, uh, artist, uh, Jordi Belair, colors, Clayton Cowell's letters. Uh, Mikhail Yanin uh, cover. And so let's Dude, fast forward. This makes me wonder. What? Wait, are you saying VCs, Clayton Cowles? Yeah. On a DC? Yeah, I, like, uh, I keep getting confused whether or not they're all Marvel or all DC, right. but no, that looks all like. Right. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we thought it was a VC book. Virtual? Or we thought it was a. We thought that VC was exclusive. A Marvel yeah, company. no. No, uh, virtual calligraphy. No. Yeah, those guys are. We gotta get that. We gotta get the Joe Caramagno on the show. That should be like our anniversary issue. We've been talking about it since we started. It's our annual. But since we started, <laughs> you're with the one guy we wanted. He's like, "What the hell do you want to know from the letter?" And we're like, "We want to know these everything." Idiots out here from these minefields or what? What minefields are these guys talking about? The way always every time. What's your podcast name it's like again? The sequel to Behind Enemy Lines yeah. or something. It's it's called Minefields. If you forget what it is, it's the only Prodigy song on the Matrix soundtrack, which is the only thing I can think of that is going to make oh. people uh, remember. Maybe. Like what was that podcast? I got the score. Something about the Matrix. Yeah, are you guys with the Prodigy fetish? Yep. You guys like the Crystal Method? What the hell? Uh. All right. Yeah. I'm not going to gloss over anything. I'm going to jump right in and start talking about stuff that I read this week. Uh, Karate Kid. I'm sorry, not Karate Kid. Cobra Kai. What's the whole title? You had it earlier. Cobra Kai, Karate Kid Saga continues number two. Yeah. Okay. So let's go in on that. Um, Let me say... The okay, let's get the yeah, here we go. All right, written by Denton J. Tipton, art by Kagan McLeod. <laughs> Honestly, the art is nothing exciting, but simultaneously, as a black and white book with a whole lot of illustration and inks, 
and some some washes uh somehow or another manages to capture the look of these characters in the 80s the look in the characters contemporary the expressions the emotions and the likenesses of these performers very well but if you pick up this book you're, you're gonna look at it and go what why and uh i mean if you're a huge karate kid fan and you're watching the show totally get it if you're not then don't don't spend your time on it honestly i mean that's just what i'm saying i like the book because at the very least as a cobra kai guy and a karate kid guy that's crazy you say i'm a karate kid fan well i'm a cobra kai fan as much as i am a, Co a karate kid fan now i feel like they're two different things <clears throat> and things being what they are i agree completely book, oh yeah the first issue is a Cobra Kai story mixed in with, hey, blah, 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 this is what I was doing in the 80s, and this is why. And Johnny Lawrence is talking to his students about it. And that's what he's doing in the second book, but you don't really know that until you get into it. So if you remember that episode of the first season where Johnny's riding around on his bike and he rolls up on the Cobra Kai studio for the first time, right. decides he wants to get involved, um... There's a beautiful moment in this that's horrible. It's tragic. It's just really good because it's it's what needs to be there of Johnny being a an older boy talking to his stepdad, the movie producer who's losing money on the football game. You just see how Johnny would make uh Martin Cove's character, Sensei Kreese, into a father figure. Right. It was really hard. We needed it. Simultaneously, uh, this episode gives, or this issue gives us a comic book iteration of a deleted scene from the Karate Kid movie, wherein Johnny and Daniel get into a pie fight in the high school cafeteria don't believe me it's on youtube uh i don't think that it's in video form because it wasn't something that was cleaned up or color corrected or edited it's just something we have um still shots of but it really happened and it was really scripted and it was really performed by ralph macchio and billy Zabka, let alone other other performers probably um elizabeth shu and uh, here it is because it's at least a story component. At some point during their shenanigans before Mr. Miyagi shuts them down and says, you know, let the boy train for the tournament, uh, Johnny and, and Daniel get into a <laughs> blueberry pie fight or something. An 80s that. food fight? Uh, it's a little less throwing things around and more like planting things like wadding stuff and dragging costumes. Um, but it's there. It's there. It was really in there. They filmed it, but we never saw it. And uh, so, yeah, what have I got here? Uh, what else? Letters by Neil Uitake and uh, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. Yes. That's what's worth. Yeah, those are those are the credits. Sorry, I was trying to read the credits. I was like, I don't know if uh, the 
as well. But um, yeah, so that book, you know, being what it is, it's the number two issue. Uh, if you're an enormous fan, go out and get it. If you're not, by page count, I'm not saying it's worth your three, four dollars. Um, <clears throat> that was one of the books I read this week. Uh, what else we got? I will say that they shot. Uh, okay, we were. I was giving the uh, giving the artwork a little grief, but the emotions and the transfer, like the screen to page transfer of emotion, like Daniel getting beat up by the Cobra Kai performers in their skeleton costumes, was first rate still animation the expressions the emotions on their faces are uh, really heartbreaking um, Okay. Uh, I read the Fantastic Four. The Annihilation the one, or Four. what's actually going on in the pages of FF? Right now, they're off. No, they're off. The... Uh, they're off Galaxy right now. Oh man, that's fucking crazy town. Are they out in the negative zone in the original in the actual timeline? No, there. It's actually really interesting. They actually uh, rebuilt the original cigar-shaped ship that they flew out. Oh yeah, totally. In, uh, Got bombarded by oh, we Grace. reviewed that. It was that's legit. Yeah. We reviewed that one. Yeah, they're ago. they're in the the galaxy that they are originally planning to go to before they became the Fantastic Four. Huh? I recall. No, this is the uh, Annihilation Wave. I'm a sucker for like we already discussed it. The uh, Rise and Fall of Shi'ar Empire, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning stuff. The Annihilation Wave. So we're doing something with that again. Fantastic Four Annihilation Wave. It's a Christos Gage book with uh, Diego. Oh my God, Or Oratugi, Oro There's not even an L in this. I'm sorry, the penciler, Diego Olorategui. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's just too many. Uh, Inker, Juan Velasco, and uh, Cam Smith with Scott Hanna, uh, colorist Eric Arcanegra, and uh, VC's Travis Lanham is the letterer. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the Annihilation Wave. Okay, I wasn't reading FF last year, and apparently Johnny Storm was trapped in the, the neutral, or the neutral zone, the negative zone. Yeah. Wherein he became the leader of the negative. That was zone. like three, four um, years ago. Yeah, that's a while. So that being the case, he's recalling this on a new mission into the into the uh, into that that galaxy uh, or that universe because they're experiencing or they're seeing waves or they're sensing like trouble. Coming out of that, and they're like, we got to go in there and investigate this. Reed has a personal issue there. He feels like he might have created the problem. Because he probably and, did. Um, yeah, you know, that's the thing. The thing I don't get, I, I like the idea that Johnny Storm would accidentally become the ruler or monarch of an entire 
universe of characters that are almost like, oh yeah, this guy's our savior and stuff like that. The problem is that in the end, he's like, oh no, I just wanted to leave and I wanted to be the party guy and blah, 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 and go back to Earth. And I'm like, does anything ever change Don- Johnny Storm? Like, Iceman is gay now. For what reason? Right? But Johnny Storm is still boy. a dipshit party boy <laughs> all these years later. Oh, the thing is married to Alicia. He's super <laughs> happy. Um, or he's at least remotely happy. He's still a monster. What, what can you do? Um, Johnny Storm has been through all this stuff. And then we had that great issue that you were just talking about wherein he battled his way into the space program and some people took him seriously and some people didn't and uh like he's still a dipshit can we have a story where johnny storm is a grown-up where he's just like no this is my one true love and this is me and her forever and that's it period something Pow. really bad has to like, happen to him for that to happen something other than oh, well, he was a herald of galactus he is the savior of the negative. No, zone. something has to happen he is, to human that right, that you and I and ever all the other readers can connect with. That would be oh, so dude, monumental. it's hard enough for me to have broken up with one human female. This guy has been engaged, married to, and dating like seven, eight, fifteen super heroines, some of run. which are completely irrational. Come on. I can't get over one girl, and he's gone out with, like, the top-notch biatches. Maybe you should figure out how to get over that one girl, because if Johnny Storm can, I mean, you can move, you've moved on to way better people. And I'm... I have one girlfriend in 10 years, and he's had, like, 78 in 40 years, whatever the hell. 60, I would, 80 I years. constitute any of those, most of those girls as girlfriends. I would say he's probably had like two the entire time. All right, let's take a second here. <laughs> Who's his best girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> Is it Crystal? It, it, well, now he's got a soulmate that was planned since the beginning, apparently, so that's pretty no. fun. No, But it, he's probably not going to spend a year getting over her. Oh. Come on, man. Johnny Storm and I definitely don't have anything in common. All right. I'm being a dick, man. I'm I'm way more of a a Peter Parker type. I'm just saying. None of those chicks were girlfriends. They were just sold, I don't know, paramours. What do you call... Oh, man. I'm going to hook up with the Inhuman royal family now. Oh, yeah. He was with Medusa for a while. That was crazy. (laughs) Crazy time. It depends on who happens to be drawing her in the moment. Anyway, things being what they are, uh, that was fascinating. All right, so I worked on um, the new Worthy Thor book. Let me, I'm sorry. I don't have any of my physical copies on me, but what I did do was take photos of their credits pages. Okay. <coughs> Actually, that seems to have been blended in with all of my work photos. Give us those credits. Uh, yeah. Unworthy, th- or I'm sorry, the, the Worthy Thor is a, is a vignette book. 
there are three different vignette stories in this particular issue. I'm going to say it's worth buying. There was a Walt Simonson story that involved Beta Ray Bill and Lady Sif. And if you go back to any of his work, you realize that Lady Sif is into Beta Ray Bill only because she can't get Thor. And um, the artist involved was so good as to capture the appearance of those original Walt Simonson books. Um, Lady Sif is in her appropriate costume, looks really, really good, and uh, was it was drawn in the st- everything was drawn in the style of those books. Um, the story is that Lady Sif and Beta Ray Bill are wandering around Asgard, and he's regretting the fact that he's like, "Oh my God, this place is awesome! I could totally get sucked up in here." But my duty says I've got to go somewhere else and look after my people. And then he is, his entire power is absorbed by a giant stone. You know, like, what the fuck does this stone care? But the stone is inhabiting, is inhabited by a troll that apparently Thor tricked as a child. Nice. And uh, he turned into stone. And Odin, at the end of this entire little, you know, interlude is like, ha ha ha, you guys. Didn't you realize that's a troll? And it's just like that's silly. What it what it amounts to is, you know, hey, the bad guys don't ever learn, which is a trope. You're gonna have a bad guy trapped in a stone. He's gonna be thinking of ways to try to find a way to get out of it. He's never gonna learn. No, I want godlike powers. I want to be my own big bad thing. Good guys find ways to become three dimensional and alter who they are, and change with times. Bad guys are static. They never change, and that's why they fail. Well, I, they never learn from their mistakes. That's what's going on in that story. I'm confused. Then there's another story and a third story, and I'm just going to say, it's a cute book, and if you want to find things that are written in the style of original writers, that's where to go. Worthy Thor number one. What do you got? Well, buddy? I'm confused. Okay. Why would they do? Why would they do Worthy Thor and then make the first story about Beta Ray Bill? Because it's a vignette book. Because uh, the next two stories revolve around Thor. Okay, but I'm sorry. The second Thor, second Thor story, was actually about uh, Masterson. Oh, Thunderstrike! Thunderstrike! Because in the end, it, Thor is a concept. Yes, Thor is a person. Thor is a super being. Right. Thor is a god. Right. But in the end, Thor is a concept. The person who is worthy enough to wield the hammer of Thor can possess the power of Thor. Stormbreaker and uh, Thunderstrike are the maker and weapons of Whoever is imbued with the power of Thor. Right, but even then, like, do you have any sort of, like, anticipations of why they're even using Beta Ray Bill within these pages? No, I mean, it's, I think it's the concept of worthiness. Hey, here you go, blah, blah, blah. Okay. There are two characters who are not Thor who are worthy of the power of Thor, and they wield it whether they feel good about it or not. 
Beta Ray Bill falls immediately into the concept of being Thor because he is so capable. But uh, Eric Masterson, on the other hand, as Thunderstrike, is like, oh no, I can make all kinds. I make all kinds of mistakes. I'm not this guy. I'm a I'm a Joe Schmo architect. Okay, so that, it makes these Code Blue guys. When you, if you read that book and you're like, oh my god, they brought back the Code Blue characters, these super cops. Like, holy crap, what a callback! Well, it you makes know? sense now. Um, that, that yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. breaking down what it is to be worthy, whether, no. whether you're Thor totally. or not. Well, the specific Yeoman Thor. level question asking. Do you think this is a build up <coughs> to? making no no you don't think so i don't think this is any kind of a build-up these are vignettes written by people who uh focus their careers on these characters walt simonson yeah writing a beta ray bill book is totally apropos well, it per- it, it we fits would perfect. not have beta ray bill without him it, it fits perfect was uh louise in any way involved i don't i can't find my page on that one but yeah well, no, I, I get it. No, if it's something to, like, solidify what it means to be worthy, because that's, like, one of the best things about it, because right now going on in the pages of actual Avengers, they are off-world at the moment, and uh, Thor has been uh, infected by a brood, and through Ooh, the entire yuck. entire issue, he is doing his best to fight the infest- infestation of being a brood, by just constantly holding the hammer and trying to pick it up over and over. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm turning into brood. It's okay. I'm still worthy. I'm still worthy. I'm, I'm not. I'm still Thor. I'm still worthy. I'm still worthy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, crescendo is when uh, the hammer didn't lift again. And then uh, I'm a brood and I'm not worthy. And it's time to destroy everybody. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Right now, I just real quick. Uh, pages of Avengers are really focused on Robbie, uh, the current ghostwriter, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Really. Yeah, they're off world right now. Uh, the Shi'ar is involved. Gladiator has put the call out for the Avengers to help him out because there's an intergalactic prison in which there is a breakout in brood infestation and uh, another ominous uh, being there that they don't know what to do. And it ended, the last pages of that particular issue ended with uh, Robbie hauling ass and uh, trying to get away from the black silver serpent. Oh, Silver Surfer Black. Yeah. So, so we're, well, at least it looked black. I'm, 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 I can't believe that book. I, I'm sad it's over. I'm, I'm hoping that's who was chasing the Ghost Rider Supercharger and uh, Intergalactic Supercharger now. Uh, I'm just worried that maybe they just colored it because there were shadows. But uh, I'm hoping it was Ghost Rider Black. Yeah. Thor the Worthy. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good book. It's, it's a cute book. It's three vignettes. It's totally worth looking into. Got Dead Eyes number three before I get you caught up on X Men. Pull this up here. Hold on one second. I got some technical difficulties here. What I'll do is talk about X Men and what's going on right now. Is uh okay, so in the pages of X-Men right now, Krakoa is merging with another island, and these uh genetic researchers have shown up that are these just basically these old ladies that uh have 
figured out what they're doing and has figured out a way to take the mutant plant from Krakoa and some way circumvent it to their own purposes. They are looking to basically remake the entire world and let nature take over. That's what's going on within the pages of what's going on of actual X-Men. There's Krakoa screaming. Uh, it, it's kind of an odd one-off. Uh, I would probably say there's going to be two or three more issues going on with that. What's going on in Excalibur right now is fascinating because uh, Betsy Braddock is now the Captain Britain and also Apocalypse has lent his help here because Rogue has been uh, knocked out of commission. They don't know if she's in a coma. They don't know really what's going on right now, but they go into the other world with Jubilee and Gambit and immediately uh, Jubilee's son turns into a giant dragon. Because the world is a mystical land. I thought he was a vampire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a mystical land of imagination. The uh, A child's mind is more powerful than what their minds are, uh, having spent years of just being an adult. And Apocalypse is trying to figure out a way to use what's going on with the other world and with Morgan Le Fay to take over. He's He's got, they've already introduced that the, his, the, he's, He's in. He's got the employee of uh, the the son of a uh, or daughter. They never really personified it or gentrified it or not gentrified it. Uh, gave a gender to it. Uh, son of or daughter of war. Uh, that's going on in Excalibur. It's it's really slowed down. Um, the momentum they got from House of X and Powers of X has splintered, and now they're building more of the X X Force X Men uh, Excalibur world right now. Uh, Xavier is still dead within the pages of X Force. Um, Domino, uh, they found out that Domino had they she's been harvested her skin, her powers to uh, invade mm-hmm. Krakoa and kill Xavier. Um, they're just building their world right now, and yeah, it's all right. It's it's lost a lot of momentum from what's been going on since House of X and Powers of X. Oh. But no, for real, it sucks. It's a terrible thing to hear that anything is lost. Well, I mean, when they had that much momentum, uh, I, I expected a little bit better than some old ladies that are genetic engineers and, and apocalypse pretending to be a good guy in any sense of the matter. Um, fallen angels. He should always be completely selfish. There's no sense in trying to make him anything else. I mean, just like Magneto. Fortunately for a guy who embodies the agony of an entire generation, he's still completely selfish. Yeah. That's why he's a villain. He'll always be a villain. Uh, I feel you on that, man. The, my favorite book so far has been uh, Fallen Angels. This is already on issue two, uh, following uh, Psylocke, trying to find out what happened to her actual cool. daughter uh, that was stolen from her. Uh, we see more adventures with Kid Cable and... Um, X twenty three, uh, it's lost some momentum, but I'm hopefully it's gonna pick up. I'm looking. I, I want a big baddie. That's what I'm trying to say. I want a big baddie, and then I, I know you're. It's uh, you're about to turn into a pumpkin, but I'm just. I'm saying. I I, I, <laughs> I I need a big baddie. I need something better than what they're doing right now. And I I still even though it's lost a little bit of the momentum that they had, I still have faith that they've got something big coming, something fun. Or something that we could at least grasp onto for at least two years the way New X Men was, you remember? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. 
Uh, but something that's really going to be compelling. I th- I I'm, I'm I feel like my time is going to open up soon. Because based on all of our conversations, I'm going to be very interested to read some serious academic stuff. But um, there's just so much compelling material out there. House. It's too bad to hear something. Well, it's 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 waning. Uh, that's why I, I should say it's waning. Um, we only really had like three, four months of House of X, Powers of X, but it was so just yeah. inundating, like just like so much at once. But yeah, that's uh, that's the brief little X Men minute or ten minutes actually. But <laughs> but we we appreciate you guys listening. Give us some uh, letters, uh, emails over at Colin and Josh at minefieldcomicspodcast dot com. Check us out on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Um, if you if you forget everything, just go to minefieldscomicspodcast.com. All the links are there. All the uh, whether you want to find it on Google, on Google or Spotify or Stitcher, or you just want to go straight to the website, everything's there along with all our art and just yeah. Don't forget our Facebook page too. That's really really easy for us to access at any given moment, despite what kind of like internet we happen to be. Agreed. I'm at work all the time, and I have varying degrees of internet. Always check Facebook. If you have questions, hit us up there, man. Throw us a message. Uh, post something. You know, send us photos of you reading your books. That would be a legit. Like, it'd be really, really great to know what else everybody is reading. I agree. And uh, where, you know, take a picture of you in front of your store. What's your local? That's a big, big question. Where are you in this big, wide world? If you're if you're in front of any of the places that we've ever mentioned, that's a big deal to us. If you're in front of a bookstore in, you know, some, I don't know, Bangor, Maine, or San Diego, or someplace super remote, Juneau, I don't know, Guam, let us know. That would be amazing. I'd love to hear from some people in Guam. You know, take a picture of you in front of a spinner rack in the PX, wherever you are. If you're on an aircraft carrier, holy moly, I would love to know. I agree, and we certainly appreciate all listening every week, and uh, we've got a good Star Trek episode coming up this week, and I've uh, got some good wrestling oh, I interviews. Can't wait. I can't wait to hear what people have to say yeah. about that. But yeah, we we appreciate you. This transmission is ending. This is dangerous. Over and out. This is dangerous. Over and out.